the following program may contain adult situations and language that may be unsuitable for younger listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Live from the RTDS studios, this is Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, proudly sponsored by National Fitness Training, with your host, Chuck Basti. Chuck's personal mission is to introduce the world to the people that motivate him on his inspirational journey into his world of infinite mojo. Here's your host, Chuck Basti. Welcome to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo, sponsored by National Fitness Training. 32 years ago today, February 22nd, 1980, at the Lake Placid Olympics in New York, Team USA took on the Soviet Union in the medal round for men's ice hockey. Just days before the start of the Olympics, the Soviets had defeated the Americans at Madison Square Garden in New York by a score of 10-3. to The Soviets were widely, widely regarded as the greatest hockey team in the world at that time winning numerous Challenge Cups against the NHL All-Stars, and more importantly, winning four consecutive gold medals at the Olympics. Few people gave any, if any, hope at all to an upset that day, but what happened instead has been called the greatest upset in sports history. That game has been referred to as the Miracle on Ice. The United States went on to defeat the Soviets that day 4-3 to on the game-winning goal by Captain Mike Uruzioni. Then two days later, on February 24th, the USA beat Finland 4-2 to capture the gold medal on home soil. It is still considered the greatest sports upset in history, and it was all made possible 30 years ago, 32 years ago today by Mike Urizioni. We're lucky to be joined by Mike right now, and Mike, I want to thank you for spending the time with me today. Oh, good morning. Uh, yeah, it is morning. <laughs> yeah, how are things out in Boston? Things are beautiful. It's a, it's a spring day. It's in the 60s here. Spectacular. Wow. That's awesome. Listen, Mike, I know that you've told this story a hundred times before, but I want to hear it again. So uh, why don't we take it back to 1980 right now when you were a young buck full of pith and vinegar. And uh, tell me exactly what was going on in 1980 in your shoes uh, when you signed up for uh, being the team captain for Team USA. Well, I think like anything else, you go into it, it's like a season. Um, you know, you try out, you, you're fortunate to make the team and and uh, you prepare and train and practice. We did it for six months, traveled all around the country, uh, playing as many games as we could to prepare for, for what would be, for us, I guess, a two-week season uh, when you get to the Olympic Games. So, you know, we were excited about the opportunity, never knowing, you know, what was going to happen, but still having a belief. As I always tell people, if you think you're going to lose, you probably are. So, uh, you know, our mindset was going to the Olympic Games and play the games and see what happens, and it, it turned out to be something absolutely incredible for us. Now, clearly, you didn't go into the Olympics thinking that you're going to beat the big bad bear. No, not at all, because first of all, they were in the other division. Uh, in order for us to even play them, we had to win our bracket, our finish second, first or second in our division. So we were concerned about Sweden, um, the Czechs, Czechoslovakia, Romania, West Germany, uh, and Norway. Norway. Those were yeah. the countries we had to play. So clearly, the, the three big games there were, were Czechoslovakia, Sweden, and West Germany, countries that were supposed to beat us. Um, so that was our concern. And then once you get to the medal round, then, then it's uh, whoever you got to play, you got to play at that point. Well, but we weren't I, concerned about the Russians until we got to play them. What I really want to get about that team is uh, what a team it really was. You know, the, the team starts with uh, together, everyone achieves more. And you guys really had the epitome of that that year because you didn't have any superstars on your team. Not to take away from the individual talent that you had on the team, 
but there wasn't anybody who really went to the NHL and made a huge impact as a superstar. Lots of uh, Miracle and Ice guys went on to have storied careers in the NHL. Yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, when you when you look at that team, though, I think some of our players were a heck of a lot better than, than we even thought. I mean, Kenny Morrow went from the Olympic team to four Stanley Cups with the Islanders and, and just had his jersey retired. Um, Kenny was uh, had his jersey in the Ring of Honor, I believe it was. Uh, Kenny was a stay-at-home, steady defenseman that didn't get any recognition, but yet had a good NHL career before his knees kind of blew up on him. And then when I look at our team, I look at you know three players, uh, Neil Broughton, Mike Ramsey, and Davey Christian played, I think, 15, 16, and maybe 18 years in the NHL. So maybe we didn't have any superstar players, but we had the right kind of players. Um, and you mentioned that we had great team players. And the guys that did go on to the NHL uh, weren't superstars on their teams, but yet they were solid players. And I, and I think that's the chemistry that we had, and I think that's the chemistry you need in order to win. You don't have to have all the great players. You just have to have the right players. Yeah, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you hit the word chemistry because, you know, watching the footage of that, uh, I was a seven-year-old kid growing up in Virginia at the time, and and really watching the movies that have been made about the Miracle on Ice afterwards and the HBO specials and whatnot, that was exactly the the, the thing that comes to mind to me is the chemistry. Uh you know, and it just goes like if you're writing a really bad script in a movie, because if you're writing that script, uh, the way it occurred, you'd get thrown out on your ass because it would <laughs> never happen that way. If Bill Baker doesn't score that goal to tie against the Swedes, you, you don't have the rest of the Olympics open. Uh, if Mark Johnson doesn't score with one second at the end of the first against the Soviets, you, you've got an entirely different game because Tretiak's still in that game, the greatest goalie in the in the game at the time. And moment after moment, it just seemed like the Americans rose to each occasion and met each one with victory, whether you came from behind, as you so did all uh, Olympics. So much so that, like I said, if you're actually able to write that script and give it to a Hollywood producer, he'd just say, yeah, this is full of shit. <laughs> like, we're, not, we're, not, we're not using this at all. Well, you know, as you mentioned, you know, everything happened that had to happen. Um, and looking back on it, it probably wasn't, you know, we, it wasn't a fluke and it wasn't luck. Um, we clearly had some players that were able to make big plays when big plays had to be made. And and, and I think when you look back again at the Olympic Games, other teams had chances to make plays against us, but didn't. That, yeah, when we needed to make a play, we were able to do that. And, you know, it started with Baker's goal, and it started with other plays throughout the Olympic Games that I can look back on and say, boy, if it wasn't for that, this wouldn't have happened. But that's why you play. Yeah, and, and you no, know, I just want to go moment by moment uh, throughout the Olympics. I mean, obviously, you played um, Sweden. You tied in the last minute. Uh, Baker's goal against Lindbergh. Uh, ties that game up, which gives you the much-needed draw on the point. Uh, then you went on to pretty much undress the Czechs. I mean, that was a, a big blowout that you beat the Czechs. Then you roll over uh, the easy games, uh, Norway, Romania. You had a bit of a humdinger against West, uh, West Germany, which probably made everyone a little nervous at the time that you're going to have this great run and then get stopped by West Germany. But uh, when you get to the Soviet game, I, I, I want you to go back to 1980. Uh, there's a clip of you in the very first Miracle on Ice movie walking into the arena, getting stopped by a security guard. And uh, he's like, oh, you're, you're Ruzioni, right? Yeah, go ahead. Go in. What was going through your mind just when you're not even getting ready to dress, but just that morning of, you played 5 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday. What was going through your mind that day, Mike? You know, nothing different than any game that I'd played before, um, whether it was, you know, the finals of uh, Hockey East uh, when I was in college, uh, whether it was um, when I played in Toledo, you know, the day before a championship game or the day of the game. 
I think you prepare for the games the same, regardless of the situation. And it was to just be focused and ready to play. Have a good night's sleep, get a good breakfast in you. Uh, and you're excited about playing. You're anxious. You can't wait to play the game. But um, you can't, you know, kind of, you can't go out of your uh, element. You can't do things differently because it's the Olympics are if it's, if it's the Soviets. I think you have to prepare and, and the way you always do. And, and for me, it was just to, you know, seize the moment, enjoy the moment, have fun, and go out and play. And whatever was going to happen was going to happen. So with that being said, third period comes in. Dave still comes across the middle of the ice, uh, takes a shot, goes off a skate, comes right to Mark Johnson. He puts right between Michigan's pads. It's a tie game. It's a brand new game. You guys got new light. Now, we've all heard about her Brooks's, um, you know, storied uh, motivational speech in the dressing room. Uh, the 10-minute mark, you come on, you score that goal, the 4-3 goal that gives the Miracle on Ice, the name Miracle on Ice. Uh, let's start from the start of your shift, Mike. Go back to when you jumped over the boards, what you were doing, how it unfolded for you. Take us through that moment. Well, I know Buzzy Schneider came off the ice early. Um, you know, it was a line change, so Pavlich and Harrington, st- you know, stayed on, mainly because the puck was still in the deep end of the zone, and, uh, you know, Buzzy was the high man there, so he came off quickly. So, uh, you know, I just go over the, over the boards, come into the, you know, into the, uh, top, of the uh, top of the blue line, walk, watching the play and seeing what's happening, and, you know, kind of went around the boards to Mark Pavlich, and Pavlich kind of chipped it over to me, and, um, you know, I picked it up, and I had the defenseman in front of me, and, I just thought two things. If he comes at me, uh, I'm going to pass it by him. I think it was Harrington and, and uh, Davey Christian, I think, would break into the net. Uh, if the defenseman stays, I'm going to use him as a screen. He, he stayed. I used him as a screen and shot and pretty much got it where I wanted to. I might have pulled it a little because I was going across the ice left to right. But I, I had a lot of room on the, on the right side of the net, um, which was my left side. And pretty much when it left my stick, I thought it was in. But because I pulled it a little, I was a little worried that it might just hit him. And then later on, obviously, when I saw the replay, I saw it kind of went between his arms uh, versus where I was shooting it, which is a little more over to the side. And, you know, all it did was, in my opinion, at that point, gave us the lead. You know, it made it 4-3. There was still 10 minutes left to go, which is an eternity. Eternity against uh, the, the Soviets. Yeah, that's all day. <laughs> yeah. I love the, uh, the line that you came up with. Um, you know, your friend said that... Uh, Two inches either side, and what are you doing? Oh, I was on a. I'd be painting bridges. You'd be painting I painting bridges, bridges exactly. Yes, Mike, you missed that puck. Two inches either side, you're painting bridges for the rest of your life. And I and told you- him it went exactly where it was supposed to go. <laughs> Listen, Mike, we got to take a quick break uh, for a commercial sponsorship message, and uh, we'll bring you right back. Okay.
listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on radio that doesn't suck. Sponsored by National Fitness Training. Here's Chuck. Welcome back to uh, Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. My guest this morning is Mike Ruzioni, the goal score, the game-winning goal against the Soviets in the Miracle and Ice game. Mike, you there? I'm here. Good morning. So, um... I actually grew up watching that game in Virginia as a seven-year-old, which in Virginia isn't exactly a hotbed of hockey. So um, you never went pro, and so you never, you never really became a household name in the world of hockey outside of the 1980 Olympics. Yet that game uh, inspired a new generation of American hockey players to step up and see what was really possible. NHL greats that I've talked to, like Jeremy Roenick, Mike Madano, Chris Chelios, Dougie Waite, uh, in every way, I think each one of those American hockey players would tell you that the, you were responsible for the inspiration that gave them hope in actually making it to the NHL and having the passion to get there. The amount of medals that the United States has produced since 1980 has been remarkable compared to what the U.S. ranked in the world stage prior to 1980. Mike, if you don't score that goal and there is no upset, it's a totally different world out there for USA hockey. But you did score the goal, Mike. So my question is this. Do you think that you've gotten your due from scoring the biggest goal in American hockey history and scoring the game-winning goal to the biggest upset in the history of sports? Well, I've gotten my due as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I, I, I think for me, in the life that I live today, is all a lot of it is because of obviously what happened in 1980. So I think personally I've received, uh, you know, a lot of... Um, Business opportunities. Uh, I, I've I've been able to travel around the country, speaking at a lot of corporate outings. I've met a lot of incredible people. Um, so it's been a it's been a great uh, a trip for me, so to speak. Uh, when I hear that you know Chelios and Madano and Dougie Wade and and Jeremy say these things about myself and and our eighty team, it's always great to hear. Uh, I've I've always said many times, and maybe in nineteen eighty we might have opened the door, but the, today's players have knocked it down. Um, and clearly you look at the NHL rosters of the Americans that are playing. Um, we, we belong up in the you know, top teams in the world right now. So it's nice to see where USA Hockey is going and what's happened to the program and, and the, the players we continue to develop. But it's not a big deal for me if, if it's, you know, I mean, hockey, first of all, is not a household world in the United States. I think if, you know, if, if I was playing for Canada as Paul Henderson scored the big goal uh, for the Canadians, it's a big thing. But in the States, there's so many other sports and so many other athletes that accomplish so many things. But personally, I, I feel uh, very blessed and fortunate to have what happened to me. I don't need publicity. I don't need my name in lights. Um, our team stood, you know, stands for itself. Uh, what we've accomplished um, when it was voted the greatest sports moment of the 20th century, heck, that's enough for us to, to live off of. So it's, it's, it's been nice and it's been fun, but it, it's not important to me that people realize who I am. Uh, but that they respect our team and what we accomplished. That's a great way to look at it, Mike. To tell you the truth, a little personal on my side, if I scored that goal, I'm looking for a contract from somebody. Somebody's <laughs> paying me for something. <laughs> like, well, you know, it's not that important. You know, I've always said your life shouldn't be measured whether you play in the NHL or don't play in the NHL. Your life is measured by the type of person you are and what you've achieved in life. So I, I've never thought, you know, being a pro hockey player either makes me a good player or a bad player. Uh, all I know is whatever level I played at as a hockey player, I was successful. Um, and then I decided to move on and do something else with my life. And uh, fortunately for me, it's taken a, a, a great run and a fun run. And I continue to do a lot of great things. And what are you doing now, Mike? Well, I, I, I still do a lot of motivational speaking, so I'm, I'm very busy with that. 
Uh, I work at Boston University. I've, I've been there over 15 years in the development office. Um, I get invited, obviously, to a lot of nice golf tournaments around the country. And I actually just started a business not long ago with uh, Bonnie Blair, speed skater, Dan Jansen, a speed skater, Bot Connor, and Nadia Kamenich, um, the great gymnast. Yeah, we, the Romanian. We bought into a business co- company called Kivana, which uh, deals with, uh, it's a nutraceutical company. It deals with health and fitness. And uh, Bonnie, Dan, and I, uh, along with Nadia and Bart, bought a business. So we're excited about that. It's, it's a great way for people to uh, live a healthier and better life, eating properly, putting the right nutrients in your body. So uh, that's kind of a new venture that uh, I've been involved in for just about a year right now. And we're starting to see some great growth in the company. So that's been fun for us, uh, for me, and obviously for, for the rest of my team as well. So you're proving that there really is life after hockey, Mike. It's only a game. It's got to end at some point. <laughs> I was fortunate to have it uh, go the way it went. I remember you know, watching. We, we, remember... we could have lost. I'd still be living the life I'm living, but um, have more opportunities because of what happened. I remember watching a clip from Moneyball. And uh, there's a clip there that uh, one of the guys was speaking to Billy Bean in the movie. And they say to him, it's a kid's game, Billy. We're either told early or we're told late that we can't play the kid's game anymore, but we're all told. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to transition a little bit right now into, uh, into Lake Placid because um, I, I was there a couple years, and it's been an ongoing process for me. Um, gorgeous spot in the Adirondacks. Um, and I, and I, I'm just at a loss right now as, as to why... The miracle on ice, which is the greatest sports upset in history, is not being celebrated as such. Um, the small town of Lake Placid, I think it's maybe a thousand or two thousand people. Uh, it's a huge tourist um, attraction. It's got white face there. It's got the U.S. bobsled, the luge, the skeleton, uh, ski jumping there. Yet, if you go into the Lake Placid um, Herbrooks Arena, there's very little there on the miracle on ice. And, uh, you know, I just want to get a sense uh, from you, Mike, of you know, how you view that. Well, obviously, you'd like to be recognized um, more if, if possible. Our, not me personally, our team recognized. But, uh, you know, again, I understand it's, uh, it's probably a financial situation. It probably, you know, you need money to do things like that. And I know up in Lake Placid a few years ago, there was some, you know, some issues financially about just, you know, being able to run the Olympic Training Center. So, I think there's, it, it, to me, it's probably a financial situation. I think the people of Lake Placid or the people who run the museum would like to see maybe more uh, recognition for not only our team, but, you know, you've got to remember Eric Hyden had a pretty good Olympic game yeah. up there winning six gold medals, so uh, for five gold medals. Five, I think it was. Yeah. So, so, you know, th- there was a lot of great things that happened in Lake Placid along with our hockey team, and it would be nice if, I guess, it was um, a little more recognized, but... You know, as I said earlier, you, you, you can't really control that. If, 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 the, if the right people are in place in the state of New York uh, and the, you know, uh, ORDA, the Olympic Organizing Committee up there, uh, want to, you know, find a way to raise some funds to honor all the Olympians that were there, that would be great. But if, if not, you know, I, I still go back there and I walk in the rink and I can kind of visualize everything that was happening when I was playing there. Well, I think that on um, a neutral third-party Canadian unbiased standpoint from where I sit that uh, if that was a high school game in Plano, Texas, there'd be a monument to something that that high school team did in Dallas, Texas, or you get into uh, what it's done for the Olympics, what it's done for the USA hockey program. And I think it needs to be celebrated. So um, what I'm going to say right now is I'm going to make a commitment that uh, 
I'm going to step out and try and raise a little bit more awareness and hopefully use this interview as well with you, Mike, to create a venue that uh, can be celebrated as such. So that way your legacy is going to be uh, basically enshrined um, for your kids' time and your kids' kids' time. So that way everyone can kind of go back to that moment and really be an American again and really be proud about it. Because, you know, let's be honest, in 1980, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, love about being an American. It was a really low point in the economy. It was really a low point politically. And uh, you really brought that game to the table and it really, really boosted the morale of the 1980. They had the Iranian hostage crisis then, uh, the gas issues, the economy is going on. Uh, You're at the height of the Cold War when that game came along. So it really couldn't have actually jumped in at a better time to be an American uh, for you guys to actually have that upset. So, I mean, all those moments together, you, you couldn't play that back again and have all those moments culminate together at one time in one moment. And uh, for you to be on top of that moment, um, like I said, I don't think that you've gotten your doing it. That's just me being, you know, a neutral third party Canadian on that one. But uh, right. I think well, that you want to see Canada would probably be a bigger thing because again, I think hockey is, uh, you know, not the sport in this country, although this moment was more than a hockey game, and I agree with you, it was a moment that captured the spirit of a nation. And, um, yeah, it would be nice if something could be there for our team and for other people to go back and look at. But, uh, you know, if it can happen, hey, great. But if not, like I said, uh, I can still go back there and remember exactly what took place. Well, I'm going to say that I'm going to step up on the uh, on the podium here, Mike, and see if I can give that some legs and see if we can start making some awareness for that. Because um, I think it's really an empowering thing for kids. I mean, there's too many kids nowadays that are playing Xbox and sitting on the couch and getting bullied at school. And I think that you've got a great story there, what you guys have you know, put together. It's lasted 32 years today. And uh, I think that that story needs to be an inspiration to the youth nowadays in order to get these kids um, into team involvement, coachability, uh, you know, take all these skills that kids now, this, they really seem to lack in direction and, uh, and really take that story and celebrate it as such and give these kids an inspiration to, you know, step up and get active in sports and to uh, really take that on. So we've got to take I a quick... I think you can't find a better story than that one. I don't think there is one out there. So <laughs> listen, we've got to take a quick commercial break. We will be right back with Mike Ruzioni. Avinsar. It's not a word you hear too often, but that's about to change. Avinsar is the Spanish word for moving forward, doing things better, advancing. In today's business world, that's the name of the game. In 2012, we all want to move forward, improve, succeed. That's where Avinsar can help you. Avinsar is a full-service, locally-owned office supply company. We carry the best brands in office products and information technology to help you maximize profit and minimize time. Whether you're looking for pens, signs, toners, or planning products, you'll find what you need to stay ahead of the curve at Avanzar. And if you're a business in the GTA, we offer you fast, free, next business day delivery on orders over $35. That means you can save time by having what you need delivered right to your door. Placing your orders with Avanzar is simple. Call 905-428-7065 or visit our online store at www.avanzar.ca. Avanzar, for the office products you need to make your business succeed. Hello, 
there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. All the girls. Welcome back to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on Radio That Doesn't Suck. Proudly sponsored by National Fitness Training. And now, back to the show. Second period. And we're back with Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo with our guest, Mike Ruzioni, sponsored by National Fitness Training, www.nationalfitnesstraining.com. Mike, tell me a little bit about some of the reunions that you guys have had. I realize that uh, over the years, you guys have had 18, 19 guys, but you've never had all 20 come back at the same time. Is that right? Well, all 20 of us have been together twice. Uh, at the All-Star Game in Los Angeles, which I think was 2000, uh, and then when Herb passed away. Uh, the whole team was able to come to the service. But for the most part, it's only been, you know, four guys here, eight guys there. I think 19 of us were at the opening ceremonies in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, we do have something coming up in New York City. They um, haven't finalized the date. I think it's in March uh, where we're going to do a signing, and then there's going to be a uh, kind of a meet and greet after with some corporate people. But, you know, it's like I said earlier, we're kind of a low-maintenance a low, uh, uh, team. Um, we're a low-key team. We, we might do a golf outing this summer in Minnesota, and it'll just be the guys getting together, uh, you know, having a few beers and just seeing how everybody's doing. It, you know, it's hard to get 20 guys together. Um, you know, hey, if some corporation came together and said, hey, we want to bring all 20 of you to, you know, Florida to play golf for four days, then I think we could do that. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, you know, it's just uh, guys making a decision to see each other and get together. I'm, I'm sure the Minnesota guys see each other quite a bit because they're all still living in Minnesota. But to get all of us together, uh, it's been hard, but uh, we're hoping to do something, you know, shortly. Well, I'd like to be a part of that as well because I think that'd be an amazing cause, and I think whatever you can actually attach to that cause, uh, the people uh, who could find value in that story is you're basically attaching yourself to the uh, the greatest sports upset in history. And I know I, for one, would like to attach myself to that. Mike, you've been a great guest for me this morning. Uh, it's been my very first show, uh, my debut on uh, Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo. And I just really, really want to thank you for taking the time today. And Mike, I really want to acknowledge you for the contribution that you were, uh, the inspirational leader for that 1980 team. I want to thank you for scoring that goal and uh, creating that opportunity for kids behind you. Uh, whether you got the do or not, uh, you actually scored the goal. You've lived your life that way, and it's been a privilege to talk to you this morning. Well, thanks for having me on. on. Congratulations on your first show, and uh, good luck on many more to come. Okay, Mike. We'll be in touch. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Chuck's World of Infinite Mojo on radio that doesn't suck, made possible by the support of National Fitness Training. National Fitness Training brings interactive, age-appropriate strength training to 9- to 15-year-old athletes in multiple sports with step-by-step workouts. We'll see you right back here next week.
Zap!